When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So much happened on the TV last night. And you might not have even been watching. I'm still curious how many people watched the Golden Globes last night. It'll be interesting to see what the ratings were. Good afternoon. I know you are listening to your favorite midday program here on the My Talks, of course. <laughs> the Adventures of... Well, we're the only one that's on right now. My yeah, Talk 1071. I'm the, I'm the Bradley. That's the Dawn. And, of course, Mike Hi. is... Um, We need to go back to the Golden Globes because there was some actually, despite Don's unhappiness with the pianist and my disdain for the timing, uh, there were some things that we really loved with the Golden Globes. And let's just get right to it. You were obsessed with Natasha Lyonne last night. Natasha Lyonne, from the minute she stepped on the red carpet, she was so picturesque her hair was weird i love her anyway she had a weird haircut she the way she was positioning her body please find it on youtube bradley you'll be like oh, what I is saw she it. doing yeah. she was making angles and like trying to look strange and she has this manner of speaking that's like from another time and well speaking of time she had a really great little probably I think it was probably 30 to 45 second little bit about time and how I'm going to be very brief in this time. But then she went on a little bit. But it was so good because it was a great bit. And we just have a small snippet of it. Yeah, let's have a listen. Just when everyone goes on even a second too long. Well, the seconds add up. I'm not saying anyone's to blame, of course. I mean, the speeches were gorgeous. Let's be honest. So she just she goes on and on, right? She she goes on for a while, but it's not to an uncomfortable level because you know she has control of the bit. It's all written out and prepared, and it makes you feel safe, right? As an audience member, you're like, this is a joke. She feels confident in it, and I'm loving it. Well, I just love Natasha Leone. I mean, she's just a wonderful actress, and she's got like she comes with a personality. She comes with a story to tell, which you know is huge. And. And um, I noticed, since I don't watch a lot of commercials, I noticed last night that her show Poker Face is coming out soon. I cannot wait for the show. I can't wait for the show. It looks excellent. There's so many huge stars in it. So, um, yes, it's definitely on the list. This is from Uh, Ryan Johnson. It's going to be on Peacock. It's kind of like a mystery comedy case of the Mm -hmm. week kind of series that comes out. uh, When did we say March? Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. No, No, it's later this month. Later this month. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think it's like next week or something. Anyway, um, in addition to Natasha Leone, what else did you love about the Golden Globes last night, Dawn? 
Well, everything that is Jennifer Coolidge, I love. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, I mean, from beginning to end. Classic. Love that. Love Steven Spielberg's speech. I loved um, Colin Farrell's speech. Just really touching. Um, Mike White was lovely. Ryan Murphy was humble. And then the very first winner, who is um, played short round, um, and he was in uh, Indiana Jones. In the Temple but of Doom. But then he also won for uh, Best Supporting Actor in a Musical or Comedy, Ki Hui Kwan. He won, and he was so thankful for his start and his beginning, and here he is giving his speech. Just before you play that, I do, I do just want to add to that. Like it, This was literally one of my favorite moments of the night because it was pure, unbridled joy, and I'm glad that you picked this clip. Let's have a listen. Yeah. I was raised to never forget where I came from and to always remember who gave me my first opportunity. I am so happy to see Steven Spielberg here tonight. Steven, thank you. Uh, When I started my career as a child actor in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, I I felt so very lucky to have been chosen. As I grew older, I started to wonder if that was it, if, if that was just luck. For so many years, I was afraid that I had nothing more to offer, uh, that no matter what I did, I would, I would never surpass what I achieved as a kid. Thankfully, more than 30 years later, two guys thought of me. They remember that kid and they gave me an opportunity to try again <laughs> it really was touching wasn't it oh my god i could cry again i mean imagine being a child actor and having that moment and then thinking that's it i mean so many so many child actors go through that and nothing ever happens for them oh and absolutely he kept trying much like um if you saw jennifer coolidge's speech talking about how she went through so many years of having these little bit parts and people would give her a little chance here and there and it just kept her afloat. That's the kind of stuff that just really is like, for all the people out there who are struggling to be actors, that is what just keeps you going is to see somebody say something like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. And and the, the, the delightful thing about it, I mean, there was so much about the overall telecast. We're talking about the, the uh, Golden Globes last night, in case you missed them. There were some really there were some things where I was just like, I don't know why we're doing this anymore. But moments like that are why I showed up, or at least those are the things that I found interesting. Like, I'm also curious about like, look, I mean, we eat, breathe and sleep celebrities and Hollywood and TV and movies. And that's kind of like our our lane. However, like the average person, I just feel like, are they do they really you know, are they as fascinated by things like that? But when you hear a speech like this, when he can sit there and explain to us in words what it must feel like to be the person we saw on the screen when I was a kid, for example, or whatever age people were, to then now, like, we can all relate to that, maybe not his specific experience, but the feeling that he is expressing to us. And that, to me, is why, if we're going to still do these awards shows, that is, you know, that is a value yes. that is still so important. Um, I did also just want to take a moment and say, and we're talking about the things we loved. That Michelle Yeoh is all, as well. 
I'm sorry. Speech. Michelle, Michelle Yeoh yeah, as well. Her speech, like I said, there were many, many speeches that, um, or I shouldn't say many, many. There were a number of speeches that made me go, oh, okay, so that's why oh, that's why yes. we showed up for that. Michelle Yeoh's was also very similar themed, right? As was, yeah. um, and you mentioned Jennifer Coolidge. I did also just want to talk about Shelley Miscavige, the Gerard Carmichael's uh, Shelley Miscavige moment. This, this I howled with glee. Let's have a listen. I found these uh, three Golden Globe Awards that Tom Cruise returned. Uh, look, I'm just the host briefly or whatever, but I have a pitch. I think maybe we take these three things and exchange them for the safe return of Shelly Miskovich. For those of you who don't know <laughs> Shelly Miscavige, the wife oh. of the leader of the Church of Scientology, has by all accounts um, been taken away from a public-facing life and has not been seen publicly for years, which we've talked about on the show. Um, we, At least uh, 10 years. Yeah. Has it it's been crazy. 10 years already? I don't know. But I it's been many so. it's been a number of years. Leah Remini is the one who first brought this to our attention, the actress Leah Remini. She went on to write a book. She went on to do a TV series. Other books were written about the Church of Scientology and the things that they're accused of. 15 years. 15. August 15. Twi- August uh 2007. 2000s. Well, but wait a minute. So, we didn't talk about it till we were on the show. So we just didn't know because Leah didn't, didn't Leah didn't uh, tell us until she wrote that book. Look, that was a moment where I was like, that is a host who is going Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And he went there. I thought that, I know, I thought he needed a better director. That's oh, all. All right. But other than notes, that, I really did appreciate it. Notes for Gerard Carmichael. I, 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 I also <laughs> found his outfits to be delightful. He looked fabulous. Oh, his fashion lovely. on point. And um, he had me laughing on more than one occasion. When we come back, my stove is killing me. And it might be killing you, too. We'll tell you about it when we return right here on My Talk 1071. Hey, My Talkers. Bradley here for my good friends at Hero. Um, When you're good at your job, people are happy to leave you reviews online. And my friends at Hero do such great work that people leave them glowing reviews online all the time. In fact, you can check out their 9,000 plus reviews on Google. They've got a bunch more on Facebook and, well, really everywhere else you look. There, That's a lot of happy customers across the Twin Cities. You can experience the world-class service you're only going to get from Hero. I know that myself. Hero has been to my home in the last year more than once. We had an AC breakdown. They fixed it. They tuned up our furnace for the season. It's running smoothly. They helped with some electrical questions we had around the house and more. If you've got any issue with your home or you just want to get your furnace tuned up for this season, do what I do and call the professionals at Hero. You'll be so grateful you did. There's a reason you see those red trucks all over town. And if you don't, you're going to start seeing them. Call Hero.com today. Don't forget to tell them Bradley sent you. Bradley Trainer. Your gas stove might be killing me. What? It's true. It's kill- my stove is killing you. Well, I feel like uh, there's some danger uh, for everyone. And I, that's what I wanted to tell you about here on the Adventures of Bradley and Dawn on My Talk 1071. I'm Bradley. That's Dawn. Hi. And Mike here. We have tips for you that could save your life. Yeah, we're basically going to do that thing where it's like, there's something in your home that could kill you. <laughs> and I. 
I first read this and I was like, no, no, I don't know anything about it. No, no, no. You ever read headlines like that? Yeah. Where it'll say like, coffee will kill you. And you're like, no. (laughs) You had the good response, Don, which is just click away. I didn't. I actually (laughs) clicked on the story and the story was simply this. Gas stove could be making thousands of children in America sick. Children? Uh, Not the children. Do it for the children. No, in fact... What's happening? It turns out there was a new study published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health in December that found that 12% of cases of childhood asthma in the United States could be due to gas stoves in the home. And I actually... This wasn't the first headline about this story. I read the first headline that made me run away and then run toward it. And then I had to read and find out more because I have a curious brain. Was something like, um, uh, this is why uh, you're probably not going to have a gas stove in the future. And I got angry because one of my favorite things in my home is my gas stove. Like, if ever I live... Like, whenever we look at other homes, like... You know how you just, like, look at homes, you know, open houses Uh, or, like, future homes all the time, right? I just look, yes, I absolutely love it. One of the things that I do is immediately look to see what the kitchen is like and then if there's a gas stove, because I'm not living in a house that doesn't have a gas stove. But according to this study, it looks like gas stoves actually have a negative effect, uh, possibly, on the asthma uh, cases for kids. 12%? Well, this study, again, found that 12.7% of cases of childhood asthma could be due, could be due. Now, these were researchers from the U.S. and Australia. They estimate that 650,000 people under the 18 could be affected by this, if it's true. Gas stoves can produce and emit dangerous levels of carbon monoxide, methane, benzene, nitrogen dioxide, especially if poorly ventilated. So it made me sad. Also, I'm a person who has a mild case or, you know, I'm a mild asthma sufferer. So I used to have issues with it when I was younger. It's much better now, but it's still there. And so I was like, great. This is not something I want to deal with. But I look, I'm not going to be raising kids in my home anytime soon. So this is less of an issue for me. But I imagine for a lot of people, this this would be something perhaps that would change their mind about whether or not to have a gas stove question answer okay i just want you to call on me like i'm a student dawn thank you teacher you have a question teacher what if you uh have hero home services come out and just check to see if it's connected (laughs) correctly uh you know what i'm saying like seriously is this just a problem with um it not being hooked up or leaking or is it actually when you're using the stove no, itself? No, I'm glad that you gave uh, Hero the shout out because it's true that they would actually be able to come out and they've done All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, 
Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Done this in our home where they can measure what the gas levels are to see if you've yeah. got any leaks or anything like that. And that's super duper important. That's a separate issue. This is just the um, the amount of emissions caused by the use of oh. a, of a gas stove. And in fact, what it points to is that if you are going to have a, a gas stove, that you've got to make sure it's properly ventilated. I just cared about this story initially because I didn't want them to take away my gas stove because I love no my gas stove. Do, do, you, and, do, you, do, do you agree or disagree that the gas stove is a superior form of cookery? It is a superior form of cookery because if you're trying to do something with a precise heat, you know, which isn't just making macaroni and cheese, like let's say you're making a caramel sauce, mm-hmm. you know, any type of baking Which Dawn knows I've how learned. to make, thank you, Great British Bake Off. <clears throat> That's right. I took a lot of baking lessons and heat is very important. You know, you can't have something too high or too low or you'll have to make it again. Also, you got to have one of the little brushes to brush down the sides. You got to have one of them little brushes. That's right. A lot of tools. You don't uh, crystallize. Tools is a good. That's right. Is a good stove. I don't have a gas stove. Oh, my God, girl. What do you do? Well, I'm living in a home. It's not, you know. What do I do? It's it's a flat top. Just like I cook. One of those. I, I just do the best I can. I like remove it halfway. I put it half on the burner. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I wish I had one again because I just, that is the best way. I don't know about you. I, I just love the way gas, uh, like you said, the control. Maybe that's what it is. I'm a control freak when it comes to the kitchen. Actually, I know I'm a control freak in the kitchen, which is weird because it's only me. Um, there's nobody else in my kitchen. But Mike, do you are you like? Do you have an opinion at all about gas in the kitchen? All I know is I Googled it, and when you type in gas stove, the next word that comes up when it autofills is ban asthma, dangers, NO2, uh, pollution, ban rebates, Los Angeles, ban. Yeah, I'm just saying. But No, I have electric. I'm kind of the same. I'm just trying. We're in an apartment, so we got what we got at this point. No, I get it. I get it. uh, But I agree with Dawn. You kind of just got to... I love love making what we call Gordon Ramsay eggs. It's like these perfectly prepared scrambled eggs, what and you Gordon have to Ramsay well, you just have to const- bury the lead. Well, the the key Come to make on. a good, and I'm sure you know this as you're a wonderful cook. The key to make a perfect scrambled egg is just patience and air. Like you've got to just keep getting more air in there, keep stirring them constantly, and then keep I'm removing them from something. the heat because they the slower they they cook yeah. the more tasty they are the more full they're going to be and uh, so oh, you have to keep removing them from the heat putting them back on the heat removing them from the heat putting back on the heat so it's hard to do that with the electric but just gotta make it work do you know what's even worse <laughs> what's that and by the way i think we should all take an egg lesson from mike because now i want to know how he cooks Happy. his eggs happily yeah you put a little bit of milk in it before and whip it whip it whip it but i've heard no it's I've, also fluffy i've heard no milk you i've need, heard no liquid you don't need liquid if you if you give it the time and you're constantly stirring it, i gotta go you guys. don't need liquid <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in addition, I was going to say, don't even get me started on convec or uh, what's the other one? Not convection. Convection ovens? No, the stovetops that like it has to be on the thing or oh, conduction no. of stovetop where you got to have special pans and things. Anyway, hate those. hey, when we come back from your gas stove is killing you to Timothy Chalamet, did you know he was a Nepo baby to one? Oh my gosh. I'm going to tell you all about it when we return right here on my talk 1071.
I skipped a segment in the last break, so um, we are not going to talk about Timothy Chalamet yet. But don't worry, we'll talk about him in the next segment. Right now is one of your favorite segments of all time. It's Dreamweaver (laughs) Dawn. Wow. Why don't you tell me about your dream? I was back in high school, and I was supposed to take a test. I was making it work again. I was driving my car, and I couldn't control it. Then, I fell off a cliff with Leonardo DiCaprio. Do you know what this dream means? Dreamweaver Dawn. Dreamweaver Dawn. Nah, Dawn, read our dreams, girl. Okay, so I have some emails. Thank you so much uh, to Lindsay and Colleen for sending me emails this week. Uh, We might have time to get to another as well. So I'm going to start with Lindsay's email here. Um, It says, last night I was on my way to a big event and it was my job. This is not this is in her dream. She's not talking about real life because she knows that I don't care about that part. <laughs> it's just not important. No, no, no. Well, it's just not important. I don't to care. Interpreting the dream. That's what I meant. It's not important to me interpreting the she dream. She doesn't like how you play the piano. It's up either. to you to put piece together your life. So it says last night it was on my way in my dream to a big event and it was my job to bring the chicken. I had it all cut up, but I didn't have a container. Mm. I put as much as I could in my hands, but there was one piece left. I bit it between my teeth and held it in my mouth and began walking to my destination. (laughs) I walked as fast as I could. The chicken in my hands was heavy, but the piece in my mouth was unbearable. Each step I took, I could feel it disintegrating in my mouth. Oh, no, the poor chicken As I neared the event, I saw people pushing a cart. I motioned that I needed to set the chicken down, and they let me. I spat out the piece in my mouth and ran to a drinking fountain spitting wet chunks of chicken in the whole uh, the whole way i woke up as i was rinsing my mouth out at the fountain the taste of raw chicken still fresh in my memory what does that mean don <laughs> thanks for helping us make sense of our dreams don okay so food is knowledge in a dream oh yeah i remember so, you saying that 24 to 48 hours before she had this dream she felt like there was knowledge that was definitely new and fresh to her. And I believe it was something that she probably overheard that she wasn't prepared to carry along with herself for the rest of the day. What makes you know, you say it's that? like something because it's raw chicken. So mm. it's not like, okay, I'm eating a meal and I can't, I'm, my teeth are falling out. That means you're having a hard time processing the knowledge. But this is specifically about the, like, the food itself is different. I'm analyzing the food because the food is raw and it's disgusting to her. So it's almost like for me, something that she knowledge that she was something she wasn't supposed to know. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say she happened to walk by her boss's door and she heard two managers discussing that they were going to fire someone. Okay. And then she has to go talk to that person Got for the rest it. of the day. And she knows and it, she's but like she can't. feeling this pressure yeah. that she has this knowledge and she just wants to get home. <laughs> she just wants to get to her destination where the party is. The party would mean a more carefree way of thinking. And you're removing yourself outside of that frame of mind where you're moving into a different frame of mind and like a different house, essentially, Yeah. where you can have some fun. But until you get there along the way, you have this knowledge that you don't want to have. Does the chicken mean anything or could it have been anything? Yeah. Oh, Meaning, like, it if she had had, up. like, like a, a piece of pizza versus a chicken leg, 
It does mean something. I mean, it doesn't mean something that it's a chicken. It means the fact that it's raw is important. Got it. Got it. Okay, so... Um, yeah, that's a really good dream, Lindsay. Thank you for sending it. Oh, totally. So, you know, she probably heard, overheard something that she didn't want to hear, or maybe she found out something about a situation. She just didn't want to know it, but she knew it and she couldn't go back in time. <laughs> Poor thing. Oh, no, and, I'm sure. Everybody... Un- unhear the thing. I And so. by the way, you guys, if, if Dawn does weave your dream uh, and she's absolutely right, Feel free to let us know because those would be fun to catch up on if people are like, oh, my God, you were absolutely right. And here's the thing about the thing. I just think yeah. I, I think that would be totally fascinating. OK, so eating a chicken, but not uh, eating a raw chicken. Ooh. It's chicken. So she's carrying Chumpin'. most of most of it is like she's carrying this to the party. Yeah. So she was supposed to prepare something probably. And so it's kind of like one of them pants off dreams, right? I just feel like you think you're prepared, but you're not, but you're still doing it anyway. So it's like, yeah. Now that in particular shows that you felt very vulnerable during hmm. your day. You were very vulnerable at a moment, and the pants you off, felt you like, mean. yeah, you probably were saying things like maybe you were in a meeting and you're like, oh god, I said too much. Yeah. And then you have a dream about not having so if your you pants ha- on. So it'd be interesting, like, if you had a moment like that, and then you know that, and then going to sleep, you're like, oh, my God, my pants are off. It's because of that thing I said. <laughs> yeah. It's really bad if you act that out in your dream, right? It, but it's also important to remember how you feel about something. So if she told me the dream and she said she was super excited that she had this raw chicken in her mouth, then it would mean that in her day... She probably had some knowledge that she wasn't supposed to know about, but mm. she liked it. Yeah. You know, it has everything to do with the fact that her attitude and also the, well, that it was raw. So. All right. From raw okay. chicken, where are we going next? We are going to clocks. This is a very short one. And Colleen S. says that I often dream that something is broken, usually a clock, and I cannot fix it. What does this mean? Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever had a. I mean, surely I have on some level, but of the like reoccurring dreams or patterns of dreams, I don't ever remember something being broke. So she had a broken clock. Yes, I'm going to focus on the clock just because that's easiest to do right now. So basically a clock in a dream, it's it signifies how you are gaining the understandings in your life and how that's going to be a part of your permanent memory or a part of your subconscious mind. Um, so time is measured and you have your experience that are gained during that time. And then, you know, like think of, it's like time is measured horizontally, meaning like, you know, the sun rises and then it sets. So that's, that's a day. And then that, that's time. (laughs) God, that sounds so stupid the way I just put that. But, um, so if you have a broken clock in a dream, it means that you don't feel like you're taking in the information that you had during your day or your experiences oh. and that you're putting them into your permanent memory, which is really important for us to learn and grow. You know, Got do you it. have so, any, do you ever have any friends that like, they seem to be stuck in the same thing and they repeat the same things over and over like, again? Like everybody, doesn't everybody do? Don't we all and do not, that? Or yourself. <laughs> yeah, it, for it's sure. Usually, it's easier to think about other people sometimes yeah. than ourselves, but maybe you have a friend who continuously makes the same mistakes over and over again. It's always easier to see it in someone else, for sure. They come to you and they say, oh, my God, um, you know, this is happening to me again. And you go, well, girl, 
didn't we talk about this before? Yeah. She's reflecting a good friend on herself. For sure. So she was probably feeling like there, if she ever, so it's a reoccurring dream to her, broken clock. So she just feels like within the time allotted that she had within the last 24 to 48 hours, there were things that happened that didn't mean anything to her. Like they didn't count because the clock is broken. Got it. So the clock, yeah, so a clock being in your dream, again, what's the difference between the clock and then the broken clock? Or what's the significance of the clock versus a broken clock? Okay, so don't think of it as like a day. Think of it as like your soul is keeping count of your, instead of a day, think of it as like this is a moment where I should learn. Got it. So it's a moment and an opportunity to learn. So during that opportunity and moment to learn, which would be signified in a day, in this way that we're translating in our brain, we did not take in the information. So there was no way to like account for what we did. It it. was just sort of like missing because the clock is broken. Got it. So missing or broken clock, missing moment. Like there was a moment. moment. You're missing the moment. So you're going to have to repeat it again. It's a reflection of that saying, guess what? We still didn't learn that because you broke uh, so the if clock. You, if you got a broken clock, does it matter if you broke the clock? I'm getting real deep now, but it's because I oh, yeah. I want to know these things. Like, Oh, uh, Mike has oh, his hand raised. Oh, I was just going to say, we have Cindy on the line, or Sydney, I believe, sure. on the line, who you read her dream last week. And she oh, says she oh. has a fun update. A very quick one. Oh, Fabulous. Great. Well, let's go to Cindy. Okay, Hi. All right, so just briefly, um, uh, last week I called in about uh, a dream that was interpreted, and it was about a wood chair that um, I was laying on the floor, and I kept trying to um, use the chair to get up. And so the interpretation was that um, I'm I'm not feeling supported, supported at work, and which was a work situation going on. So I just wanted to say that, um, Donna, you said that, um, the situation will be resolved, or you'll work through it. So I just wanted to tell you, really interesting, that while the situation didn't get resolved, I personally resolved the situation. Mm. And I just oh, thought I'm that so was such a cool interpretation. Oh, and then um, I, sometime, next time when you have more time, I've been having a dream, waking up in the morning, and I have had the best sex and I just want to know if that's kind of like a relief, a relief or a resolution or something. Oh, I <laughs> anyway, can totally whoa, interpret that. I'm trying to get back it's... to sleep. All right. Yes. Um, I know you. I, I, oh, I, Cindy. I, I, I know those dreams, Cindy. I mean, not yours, Say, Cindy. Yeah, but... this is so easy. <laughs> but tell Cindy what that means. That means, so sex in a dream is not sex. Um, it is... Um, it is the beginning of a new idea. So a baby is a new idea, and the sex is the bringing together of your conscious and your subconscious mind to create a new idea. So you have something brewing within yourself that you're really excited about making. All right? And so the man or and woman exactly in your dream. Right on. Right on. Right on. That's fantastic. Okay, thank you very much. I look forward to hearing your dream interpretations. Have a good day. Oh, I love that. Bye. Thank you, Cindy. It's always Yay. great. I, and, and I said it and I meant it. If uh, Dawn has affected you or given you some knowledge, even if it wasn't a dream that, of yours that she read, but it helped you understand something in your own life, let us know. Uh, because that story, Cindy's story, was pretty awesome. She, you were spot on, Dawn. 
Well, it, and I want to point out that she said that the the thing at work, the outside thing at work wasn't resolved, but she found a way to resolve it within herself. Yeah. And that's all your soul cares about. Yeah. Like the outside things, the only thing you can do is is change the way you respond to them. Okay, so we can't really control what happens out there, but we can control the way we react. Oh, and that's sure. what your soul cares about. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Because that's how you learn and grow. Because that's the only thing you can do. I was just thinking about that the other day. Like you literally <clears throat> are only in, like you're the only one in your head. That's the only thing. Exactly. You're the only one in control of how you react to things. And sometimes things are super tough. But good job, Cindy. Good job, Dawn. Dawn, um, how do people get in touch with you if they want you to interpret another one of uh, their dreams? You can go. The best thing, you know, if you're like driving and you don't know how to spell my last name, just go to our website. (laughs) You can find my email. That's the best way to do it. I would discourage you from sending me. Just because I I don't get to them soon enough, like on Instagram or a, or like a message on Twitter, because that is like Perfect. oh boy. And like try to do it right later, before this it. segment, like so that you've got a twenty four forty eight hour advance notice in terms of what Dawn says. Right, will be more apt to relate. Yeah, You'll understand it better. Or if you do have a dream, make sure and do a journal of the day before. Got it. And then, or or that day, so that you can reflect and look back and remember what the heck happened. Fabulous, John. Thank you so much for more uh, weaving of dreams. And when we come back, we are finally going to talk about Timothy Chalamet and his nepo baby status. I'll explain when we return right here on My Talk 1071. Did you know Timothy Chalamet was a Nepo baby? What does that even mean? No, I did not. Dawn didn't know. And and we'll um, tell you not only what it means, but also talk about why we know this. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Adventures of Bradley and Dawn. I'm Bradley. That's the Dawn. Hi. Hi. I'm here. And um, so, yeah. I'm broadcasting from home if I sound weird. (sighs) Yes. And you are thankful. I've been getting over COVID. Finally. Finally on the mend after a long... Well, and you were sick before that. Uh-huh. Oh, my God, you have to be yeah, ready to... a lot to... of people like that out there. I'm not the only one, so I'm, I am I feel for you, everybody struggling. Absolutely. All right, so back to Timothy Chalamet. So you said you didn't know this, and I didn't know this either. First of all, Nepo Baby, just like... Uh, this has been a whole conversation lately about um, people in Hollywood of a certain age uh, having family connections, right, that have afforded them opportunities. It's a new story only because... There's been some like social media conversation around it, but really it's a story as old as Hollywood in and of itself, right? It's a tale as old as time. A tale as old as time. Beauty on the beast. And the beauty in this case is, of course, Timothy Chalamet. I'm sorry I didn't hear you. What'd you say, Don? No, that's fine. And the beast is uh, who? Hollywood. Mm. <laughs> I saw this story. Timothy Chalamet's agent revealed that he hasn't auditioned for anything in over seven years, and it sparked a conversation about nepotism, privilege, and Are industry you connections. Are me? Yeah. So I was like, what? He's only like 20. Yeah. 
so here's what happened over the weekend. His agent shut down rumors, apparently, that he had auditioned for Gladiator 2. And you'll remember, maybe if you don't know, uh, Paul, is it Paul Mescal? Um, okay. Got that role. He's from Normal People. He's going to be in that mm-hmm. sequel. And so other people were suggesting that Timothy Chalamet was in it. But his agent, Brian Swordstrom, entered the chat oh, no. on Twitter and said the following, which also we got to talk about this. Quote, I know one of these actors was shooting a film in the Middle East for the past several months, and he hasn't auditioned for anything in more than seven years. So he was saying of Timothy Chalamet, he was busy, and also he doesn't have to audition. Oh, my gosh. I would be so embarrassed. Can you imagine that's your agent? Your agent is having a moment with his ego, and he let it out, and that is so embarrassing. Okay, like because it's embarrassing whenever you hear that a, I there was somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio who didn't want. Oh, it was for um, Titanic. He like was like, I'm not auditioning for this. Hmm. Remember? And um, I don't, James but I Cameron, totally believe you. Okay, James Cameron told a story where Leo was like, I'm not auditioning for this. I'm I'm good. Like I don't have to audition. And he goes, Yeah, you do. Yeah. And so he was like, Ugh. like he really protested three or four times and then finally they drug him in and he's like fine and then he blew them out of the water so to speak and so they were like okay you and they're like it. fine okay you were right but it's kind of gross whenever people say i don't have to audition yeah right? it, and not only that you I do- would want to know if i had chemistry with someone well sure and you want would want to know if you're right for the project but also i'm not a big star in hollywood so i don't pretend to know how these things work but it, you will <laughs> imagine that his agent's tweet then sparked a huge reaction on twitter Because people were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But it was in the explanation of that experience that I learned, again, going back to, you know, the headline, Nepo baby, nepotism, what? Turns out, because I was like, Timothy Chalamet, do you know any other Chalamets, right? Like, that's where my head goes, like Garland, Judy Garland. Oh, you're, anyway. So then I found out that Timothy's uncle is a director by the name of Rodman Flender. His maternal grandfather was a writer and screenwriter named Harold Flender, And his mom, Nicole Flender, is also known, I didn't know this, for her roles in movies, The Bird Watcher and In the Heat of Passion. So that's where people then got into this conversation that he got a lot of his connections in Hollywood through his family. I just didn't even know that he had those connections, much less that it led to him, of course, if we believe his agent, not having to audition for anything for seven years. I think that um, <clears throat> I think most people have connections, and maybe that's just me being cynical. But I think very few people start from a position where they're just purely being seen by talent. Just from what I've heard, from like you know, I was a theater major, and half of my friends are out in L.A. or New York trying to do this very thing, and you know what they were up against. Like they know who they lost the part to or that they didn't get a chance to read because X, Y, and Z were in front of them automatically. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of one of those things where you're like, oh, well, that sucks for you. I mean, literally, I have friends who were just, she just got so tired of just being like walking in, having an agent, being lined up with a bunch of other girls and then going down the line and saying no, yes, no, based on their looks. Oh, so it's on their looks. Completely based on their looks. And they... She didn't even get a chance to read. Yeah. 
And Isn't so you that think sad. So, but you're but you're saying that most people have connections of some sort in Hollywood, or the people yes. who are successful. Right. So, like before you even get to that point where you would even be in a room with other women, yeah. there's a whole other group of people. You know what I'm saying? Who don't even have to do any of that. It's just phone calls. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if, if Timothy Chalamet hasn't had to audition for the last seven years, that would say there are a lot of phone calls that, yeah, and a lot of people showing up for auditions that they're never going to have a chance in, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you want, like, I, I know I just said this, but honestly, let's think this through. Like, if I were an actor and that was my craft, I wouldn't just want something handed to me just be, based on previous work. I would want to pick and choose how I blended with the other actor, talking to the director, yeah. seeing if I wanted to be a part of the project. That makes total sense. I mean, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think, too, um, this just says to me, I, I feel like Hollywood is just a small town. Hollywood proper, that is. Uh, essentially meaning that, like, everyone who's in Hollywood knows everyone, and it's not a very large community. So that a lot right. of these, you know, you talked about a lot of people having connections. It's probably like the 1%, right? There are a lot of working actors who don't have connections. A lot of working actors who leave everything they have behind, head out to Hollywood. And, and those are the extras. Uh, well, and yeah, they end up in a whole different echelon, right? It's it's the people, the successful working actors, I imagine, that are a very small group when you look at it writ large that uh-huh. would probably be somewhat depressing for the average person who's like, I want to make it big in Hollywood. They say that there are 5 million um, actors in L.A. And I have to also say that within those 5 million people trying to get work, they are also your dentist. They're yeah, also, oh, I'm sure. like, honestly, it's not just the waiters and the waitress, or I'm sorry, servers. <laughs> um, I sound like an old grandma right now. Um, but it's not just the servers. It's not just the people at hotels. It's literally like your attorney. Yeah, no, there are a lot of, yeah, there are absolutely 100% a lot of working actors in Hollywood, and and very few people have the connections that, you know, successful A-list celebrities do, and it almost seems to be a sort of a cycle, right? Like, once you become an A-list celebrity, yep, but obviously that's dependent, too, on the director. I mean, in this case, again, um, talking about Timothy Chalamet, he had some family connections, but I would imagine it really comes down to directors and, you know, the people casting the films, trying to figure oh, yeah. out who they want to work with, and they they probably have their preconceived notions. In fact, I mean, you probably have writers that are writing scripts for Timothy Chalamet specifically in mind and expecting fully that he would not have to audition. Yes. What was I just listening to or watching where somebody was so disappointed? Oh, it was Matthew Perry's book. Mm. Matthew Perry, which I just finished. It's, it's great, um, other than some structure problems I have with just the back and forth in time. But he was talking about how um, that's just like he had a, an AA sponsor who he worked with and really believed in. Like he basically said that this guy, which who he actually literally names... <laughs> The person first and last name, which is because a they're thing. like a well, they're a celebrity rehab type person. Okay. okay, they've helped a lot of celebrities get clean. So the person's name is Ernie Hightower, and this person for ten years was his confidant, his sponsor, and he always joked with him like, "Oh, it's going to be funny one day if you ever hand me a script," which he literally ended up doing oh. at one point.
and then like saying, yeah, so there's this thing I want you to read. And then the relationship was over. Oh, I'm sure. A hundred percent. Hey, I don't when, know how I got down that road. But. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the Golden Globes, which were on TV last night. If you've got thoughts about them, let us know. You can drop us a tweet, send us an email. We're going to tell you about the things we didn't like. In fact, the things that we hated. You're welcome when we return right here on My Talk 1071.